HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Vertera Dinnerware. Learn more at vertera.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-R-R-A dot com. It's September, and as the days get shorter and temperatures cooler, it's time to go back to school. This week on Meet and 3, we're looking at how lunchtime is changing from elementary schools through college, whether classes are remote or in person. While there was some information about where families could access food, it was spread out on many different websites. I'm seeing people, you know, advocate for, like, going back into school and... A main reason is, you know, food insecurity, like kids go to school and they get fed. And I'm just, that's a whole other thing of like fight for kids to be fed versus like going to school. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, welcome to the Feed Feed, where we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm to discuss everything from navigating social media, building, engaging with, and growing a community, and producing content that resonates with young and old. I'm Jake Cohen, Editorial Director of the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. So today is the last episode of our second season. So it's only fitting that we bring back Julie and Dan Resnick, the co-founders of The Feed Feed. Um, This is going to be a super special episode because it's my last. Um, This has been such an incredible journey, both hosting the podcast as well as working with Feed Feed for the past two years. But as I... uh, move on to the next venture. I think this is just a wonderful opportunity for us to kind of sit down, chat about Feed Feed, chat about the podcast and where we're going. So hi and welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely bittersweet to see you heading on to Uh, your next venture, but we're excited to see um, everything that you do and follow along with your content and recipes and videos that I'm sure you'll be putting out across social media in the coming days and weeks. So I guess I want to start the conversation. Uh, I mean, this is when I look back at these um, kind of past two seasons, it's been such a testament to 
the community. And that's kind of like the, the motif of this entire show has been that conversation around food as a community builder. And we talk to people that have come on and, and there's been that kind of ongoing conversation about Feed Feed as this beautiful source of kind of gathering voices and giving them this platform. Um, what have been kind of some of your highlights from the past two seasons of everything you've recorded? I mean, I think I've, I've loved the, um, the insight into um, some amazing stories of professionals that, that weren't always professionals, but uh, found their way within food media. Um, and I think um, that's, that's also a good jumping off point to where um, we also want to take the podcast moving forward to really dig in even deeper into the stories of um, people in food, um, potentially of people that aren't necessarily professional quite yet, um, really digging into, um, you know, what we like to call the hashtag feed feed community, um, which is where we found you actually as well. Yeah, I mean, it kind of speaks to the business and the current state of the world that we're in, um, you know, starting out a publication on Instagram, developing a community, a call to action, um, seeing the food and the people and the stories and the history and the culture of how food really brings people together and how we can all learn from one another and grow as home cooks and bakers and, you know, I think we've um, really enjoyed spotlighting people from all over the world on our Instagram feeds, on our website, teaming up with them to host events, getting to know them in real life um, when we were obviously hosting lots of events for the Feed Feed community on both coasts and sort of everywhere in between. Um, but I think the pandemic has really kind of helped us to go back to our roots a little bit more um, and really featuring the people within the community who can, um, who we can help to elevate, elevate their voices, elevate their stories, elevate their cultures, their histories, their cuisines, the spices, the techniques, the methods with which they um you know, do things. And, and even some of them, you know, can, can be fun. I think Andrea, who is on our editorial team, uh, we recently featured that Instagram reels where her dad showed how he likes to peel a mango. And, you know, I really like how social media and Instagram in general has kind of changed, you know, from being that perfect feed, you know, and getting inspiration from other platforms like TikTok, where, you know, you can mm -hmm. see very, you know, you can play into fun and humor, or just like short little video clips, which is um, the, the peeling of the mango that I'm referencing right now. So we're excited to take um, the podcast season three to a special series, which we're calling What's on Your Table. And each week we're going to be actually um, doing kind of deeper dives and editorial roundups that go not only just in the podcast, but also on our website as articles and features of these people that um, are from a specific country or 
uh, culture and spotlighting community members together. So what I've loved is that you've had mostly sit downs one-on-one and a few um, when we were able to record in person with a couple of people. Moving forward, we're gonna be interviewing probably three to four people per episode all around one theme related to a specific cuisine. I love that. I mean, I think that kind of goes to the greater conversation about the pivot during these past few months and honestly separate from just like the business conversation, but more so the conversation around like how people's uh, cooking habits have changed. So I think that's something that we've really seen throughout our content in the sense of what people are craving, which is that kind of greater understanding and help and guidance in the kitchen. on Yeah. And that's one thing that we really want this podcast. And of course we aim, um, you know, to solve those problems that, you know, what should you make for breakfast, lunch, or dinner or dessert on a daily basis. We want the podcast to be a place where we're having interesting conversations with people, um, and talking about, um, you know, their culture and their background and their history, but giving practical, useful tips for cooking in the kitchen and for, you know, maybe mastering um, a particular recipe that maybe you, you know, in our former life would have enjoyed at a restaurant and, you know, people aren't going out as much as they used to. And, um, you know, they've, They've leaned into their own home cooking. So we want to give them the tools um, to feel confident in the kitchen and kind of break out of just um, what their kind of tried and true recipes are. I love it. How have you both been cooking this summer in terms of, of just putting into practice this idea of the kind of, I feel like there's been this curve of at the beginning everyone was super excited diving deep in and then there was a little bit of exhaustion and now i think we're getting our our kind of second push of of home cooking projects yeah i mean we still um are members at two farms near us so we're csa members at quail hill farm and at amagansett farm in amagansett and we're currently in amagansett this summer with our three kids so and our son's become um, an avid and, and now successful uh, fisherman. Um, so we're, we're sort of um, just aligning our diet with what comes in the door, whether it's from the farm or, um, or from our son. And, you know, I mean, I always cook dinner, I would say at least five nights a week, if not six, um, you know, when we were still going out to dinner and, you know, having dinners with friends and that sort of thing. Um, So I feel like I was kind of set up for this, but, you know, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and our kids eat dessert every night, and pretty much we do too, um, together for, you know, five plus months now. We've got a good dishes rotation going. Um, I really wish I had two dishwashers. Um, That is one thing that I would love to have in the Mm -hmm. future sometime. Um, But, you know, we do a lot of like um, talking about what, you know, we have a lot of like we've been obviously swimming in tomatoes lately. So I've been making a lot of tomato soups 
and sauces and um i made chicken tikka masala the other night uh, with some tomatoes that were kind of on their way out and um you know kind of basically just leaning into what we have a lot of and trying to get through as much as we can um I mean, and then generally the oven's always on so eggplant and zucchini are, are roasted with most meals um Lots of baking. We've been baking. Um, I've been baking with Vance, our son, quite a bit this summer. And um, he's interesting because he doesn't like butter. So, or he thinks that he doesn't like butter, but then, you know, <laughs> he'll be making a pie crust and realize <laughs> like how much butter is actually in there. And croissants are actually one of his favorite things. But um, we just posted a cherry pie that Julie and Vance made together go. on on TikTok, and it was interesting. There was there was a, a large outcry about um, the inclusion of vodka in the crust from the the kids in in our community on TikTok. Um, but then there were others that that um, chimed in to uh, calm everyone that that the vodka, the alcohol in the vodka, w w was dissipated. <laughs> yes, I mean no, no, I get that all the time. People are shocked. I think that's one of the the fun things in terms of exploring how things are made um, especially in the mediums that we use is that so many people just don't know um, and are taken by surprise like how important it is to like use vodka in your pie crust yeah one of Vance's things that he says now when he's watching me cook is sort of like just trust the process because he thinks that he doesn't like things that I'm doing or that I'm adding in and then he realizes that he does once he sits down and takes that first bite that has been quite interesting, actually, being home as much as we have been and cooking with the kids around is that normally when they're when they were busy and, you know, pre-COVID, they were out of the house, uh, dinner would just kind of appear magically, whereas now they're watching it and they're asking what's for dinner. And it is it is quite apparent that, like, you know, as kids and even adults, I think when you hear what's for dinner, um, it it's not always as attractive as, as what ends up being for dinner. So um, we're facing a lot of sort of resistance when, when Julie kind of announces what, what her thought process is, but um, it, it it's just, you know, interesting. Well, basically every night is like an episode of Chopped because I'm working until the last possible minute and people are coming out and saying, when is dinner going to be ready? And I haven't even thought about what I'm making yet. So then they start asking me what I'm making. And, you know, we go through this whole thing. And then usually I just say, come back in 15 minutes. Because by then, I'm sort of off and running with wherever I'm headed with the meal. But Because if you mention turnips or radishes <laughs> or, or Swiss chard right away, like you're going to get resistance. But when it's, you know, after it's been um, magically combined um, with... A, you know, a sauce, it, it's, it's a whole different picture. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Jake? What have you been cooking I mean, this it's been, summer as you've been in Florida? It's been interesting. It was, I think I really got into a groove at the beginning of quarantine because it's funny because this exact conversation that we had at the end of season one was the very beginning of Shelter in Place. And season two was completely done remotely. And you, you saw like this, kind of progression of how people were cooking at home. Um, and I think for, I started in New York and I was doing, I was getting like the CSA deliveries from Norwich Meadow Farms, which is kind of that amazing thing of just getting like a box of whatever and just having to figure it out. And here, 
about halfway through the summer, we came down to Florida and it just became this shift where first I wasn't alone, where I was cooking for myself, my husband, my sister and her husband, uh, pretty much every night in New York. Here, I I have my mother-in-law who's a fantastic cook and has been definitely like in the kitchen with me, just whipping together like insane Persian feasts. Uh, That must be fun to have someone else that you like to cook with and you can learn from. Um, I I would love to kind of play around in the kitchen with someone. A hundred percent. Opportunity much. A hundred percent. I mean, I will say it's, it's, it's that conversation because now it was a, I was cooking it for everyone in the house of four and now we're a house of six because my sister-in-law and her girlfriend are here. So it's two people cooking for six, but it, it, it's just, it's, this is a much pickier household. We have one vegetarian. We have one like very meat and potatoes person. We have myself and my husband who eat anything and everything. So it's a little bit more of that, um, delicate dance of, all right, we're making this dish. We're going to reserve half of it to make it vegetarian. This quarter of it can be spicy. This quarter of it cannot be spicy. Um, So, so that's become a a bit of a challenge, but a fun one. I think it's, it kind of ties to the conversations that we have of what people are looking for and what we're excited about. Um, Just in general and content, I think the, tie to Instagram and TikTok really shows because people I think are in this place now in which they can get excited about something and then actually like make it that night, which is something that I'm seeing more and more with our recipes that people make them immediately because it's as easy as like, all right, I'm going to place a grocery delivery and I'm going to make that for dinner. Yeah. Molly and I were talking about that the other day, just that you know, we've never seen people making things so quickly um, and inspiring people at that moment because a lot of our audience was at the office, you know, yeah. and not at home. And, you know, they were not eating and cooking for themselves um, at, at such a pace in the past. And that's, you know, another thing that I think we need to consider yeah. as, you know, a food publication, which is that you know, um, daily, like, you know, on a Tuesday, you wouldn't really be braising anything kind of back in the day. Right. But like in a way, Tuesdays now are perfect for braising and what better way to like make your house smell good and everybody get excited for dinner than to, you know, like season, um, you know, a pork shoulder in the morning and, you know, sear it and then throw it in the oven all day in a Dutch oven um, you know, with like your favorite red wine or, you know, whatever it is you like to braise with. And that's, that's easy to do now. In fact, um, you know, so things that we used to kind of consider as like a Sunday project, you know, because you were at home and maybe it was the winter, you know, we can actually lean into that stuff on other days of the week. So I think even just like, you know, um, in fact, if you do braise something all day long, like you can easily throw, you know, like tacos together, um, you know, in 15 minutes by just like cutting up some avocados and cucumbers and maybe, I'm sorry, uh, tomatoes and, you know, roasting some corn real quick. Um, 
you know, that you just wouldn't have done on a, on a Tuesday in the past. So anyway, I, I think that, you know, there are some kind of cooking stories and changes in people's habits that, you know, as a food media company, we need to recognize and make sure that we're delivering content and solutions and ideas um, that actually help them turn Tuesday into something special. Because again, since most people are still spending so much time at home, you have to have something to look forward to. And, you know, yeah. if it's pork tacos, you know, I did that last week. At least you have pork tacos. To- yeah. I literally, you know, we, we, we have a farm about an hour away that we've been doing trips to and they have like awesome produce. And uh, when I, they let us know whenever there's like a fresh slaughter for no, no better way to say, but um, <laughs> we, I got like a ton of pork and beef and I, I actually am not doing project cooking anymore on the weekends. I feel like weekends have now been reserved, especially since the weather's nice and, and there's this, this concept of like trying to create a separation from the weekend weekend, even though you're in the same place. Uh, I find that I'm yep. doing much more like t- traditional weeknight cooking of like quick and easy meals on the weekend and on weeknights doing things like bracing a bunch of pork for tacos and making yep. like bolognese, all of these kind of like low and slow simmer things. Yeah. And I think uh, another sort of interesting dynamic is um, with kids being at home and parents working, there's, there's actually an element of kids making their own food more often. Um, you know, whereas when they were going to school, you know, a parent might make them their lunch. Um, now, if we're recording this podcast and our kids are um, in the middle of their Zoom class and they have a lunch break, they're mostly making their own lunch. So it's kind of an interesting shift. Fascinating. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be that's going to be the future in terms of these conversations. And I think there's also going to be this um, new wave of people who discover their love for food. And this is something that has come up a little bit at the beginning. I think of, of the remote podcast recordings we were doing um, in the sense of, of talking mainly to people who had career changes and that idea of like, this is a time in which there's that introspection of what you love. And a lot of people are discovering this love and passion for food, especially kids. My niece has been obsessed with baking throughout quarantine. Um, so I was listening to Vance's Zoom orientation for fourth grade, and the teacher was asking everyone to share what they like to do in their spare time and how they spent their summer. And so many kids were saying how they love to bake. And I was just kind of surprised that such a large percentage of kids um, are really gravitating towards baking. I mean, I know that my kids always have loved to bake with me in the kitchen. And, you know, I mean, I remember baking, you know, chocolate chip cookies and other things with my mom growing up, but, um, you know, it sounds like during this quarantine, kids have really, really leaned into baking and, you know, especially older kids, um, and even launching, you know, TikTok uh, accounts where they're showing off, whether it's baking or smoothie making. Um, it's, it's been interesting. 
This episode is brought to you by Vertera. Impressively versatile, stylishly sustainable, environmentally disposable dinnerware from Fallen Leaves. Vertera is a mission-driven company focused on making environmentally responsible single-use products. Founded in 2006 on the belief that every culinary creation deserves a beautiful, sustainably crafted foundation. Vertera reclaims earthly discards like fallen leaves and tree scraps to design elegant, disposable dinnerware that elevates the look of food presentation. In short, a beautiful, disposable plate that can go with your food to a composting facility. The team from Vertera recently made a huge pivot with their factories and started producing masks, gloves, sanitizer, and other PPE that food businesses need to safely reopen. Learn more at Vertera.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-R-R-A.com. So as we kind of talk about the future and discussing like this next season of the podcast, what are you most excited about in terms of like what's to come for the rest of the year for Feed Feed? I mean, for us, it's, um, it's really interesting to um, kind of like what, what Julie said in, in sort of our mission for this year's podcast is to dig deeper into um, the stories behind the content creators that we feature. Um, I, I think, um, there's a tendency and sort of a mad rush for us to, to curate all the amazing um, food and content that comes into our hashtag every day and, and to do so um, sort of from a, a recipe and a, and a photo standpoint, but to also start digging deeper and deeper into, into the people that are, that are making the food um, themselves and also um, their stories and their culture. Um, and that's something that's not always easy to do on Instagram. You know, we, we're, we're posting, you know, dozens of times a day on, on various platforms. And um, like I said, really focusing on, on the recipe and the image. But um, I think a, the podcast is a great opportunity to have a, a longer uh, format, um, deep dive into um, the people and, and their stories uh, behind that. I love it. I think that's going to be so exciting. And I'm very excited to be on the other side as a listener. Awesome. And what do you, what, what are your sort of um, aspirations for um, where you're going to take your own, um, your own food, your own, um, you know, sort of the way that you um, share it on social media. I mean, you, you and I have, have talked a lot about, short video and TikTok and Instagram reels. And, um, and I've seen your, uh, you know, personal content really do really well on, on all those platforms. So, um, you know, just curious what your thoughts yeah. are and kind of how, how you see yourself, you know, both behind the camera or in front of the camera, as far as being a host, but also, uh, producing content where you're not, not the host. I am very excited to, I think, figure out just kind of more ways to, to inspire people in the kitchen on a personal level. I think that, that so often in the past you had this concept of you either have to write for a publication or be a blogger. And I never really liked the concept of blogging 
for myself, like having my own site that I had to take care of and, and do stuff like that. So I've that's why I've always been a, a, a serial um, food media brand editor. But I think this is this first time, especially this year, that social media has created a platform for people to create content that doesn't have to drive anywhere. I think that creating recipes that live on my reels, that live on TikTok and seeing people make it has been so rewarding because it just shows that like the world is changing, the way people are digesting content is changing um, and I don't have to do anything more than just continue to be my authentic self and crank out good recipes on a few platforms. And I think that that's going to be what I'm excited to see the, the continuation and the progression of food media as a whole, as it reflects that. Um, I think we have exploded on TikTok in a way that every other food media brand has not because of the fact that they're typically too resistant to change and there's been this huge conversation about like the way we work is so different than any other food brand is because for like a typical publication you pitch a recipe or you pitch a story and and the idea is is that you're pitching a piece of content for a website um and then it's it's like all right we're gonna then take that and put it on social we are the opposite in which we're going to put something on social. So therefore we need to create an asset to live on our website. And I think it was always something that had resistance in the past, but I think this is the first year in which we're seeing that more than anything, social is the first time that people are going to see that piece of content and decide whether they're going to make it or not. And that's going to be, I think the fun is seeing how, that progresses in terms of like myself professionally. Yeah. I'm excited to, to focus on myself in front of the camera and just continue to have fun and, and explore what my voice is and what my perspective is in the kitchen. I think there, there is this, this need or there was this need to either be super, um, pinpoint focused on a cuisine or a specialty and or be like a general Martha Stewart know everything. Um, and we're moving away from that. And I think it's more so about these perspectives that individual voices have. And you said it so perfectly in the sense of like this podcast is going to become a platform and Feed Feed as a whole is going to work towards creating a larger emphasis on the personality behind these recipes. Um, and so much of that is influenced by culture and heritage and just a million and one factors that influence the dish that ends up on someone's table. But I think that's the, the fun in it is, is getting to know that and I think so many people are still coming to this podcast, uh, especially in the first two seasons, 
with some like vision of themselves wanting to continue in this industry or get bigger in this industry and hear these stories of all of these greats and looking back at the conversations with David Leibowitz, with Smitten Kitchen, with Deb, with Aaron McDowell, with, with Gail Simmons, it, it all comes down to one thing. And it's not that like David is just learned everything from Chez Panisse and, and became an expert and Smitten Kitchen tested her recipes 15 times. It had nothing to do with the actual way that they developed their recipes, their sites. It's that their brands are 100% based on themselves and what they want to do and how they interact with food. And that's what people are drawn to. The recipe working. And that's actually a, a, you know, a good jumping off point to why we, you know, one of the great things we've enjoyed watching yourself as a, as a host is that you're just yourself. And that that's sort of what is connecting people to you. Um, and, you know, and that's sort of a, a, the greater topic there is, um, I think social media, you know, has a lot of verticals and, you know, food happens to be ours, but, um, we repeatedly say to ourselves and others that, you know, we're, we're in it to connect people and, and food happens to be the vehicle that we find it easiest to do so. Um, but you know, it's, it's really about connecting people and that's when, you know, when the host is really just themselves and, and shares their own personal stories and approach to whether it's food or, or life in general, that that's sort of where the connections are made. And I think that's the, the beauty in the sense that I think back to a lot of the events um, we've hosted and there are all of these instances where you have people that come in and they are like just either well-known food bloggers and or people that are kind of up and comers that don't really have a huge following, but are on their way. And they come into an event that Molly Ye is hosting at her space and you just see how excited they are to meet her. Um, or it's going to be an event where they get to sit next to the, to Aaron McDowell and talk about pie. And in LA, you see people come up to, I think that was a really fun thing when we opened LA is because once all of our editors, including myself came out there, all of a sudden there's this community that finally gets to interact with us. While in Brooklyn, the New York community pretty much has us at our, at our disposal since we're always there. Um, so I, I think those are the moments that are so exciting. And, and to see that in this new world, is no different than how we've worked in terms of everything else. Um, but given this new virtual mentality, it's like we look at the way we've been doing lives and the way we've been doing so many kind of virtual events and, and opportunities to connect people without having them in the virtual space, in the physical space. And I just think that that's going to be the continued future. And I mean, like, in what world other than COVID where we'd be able to have Jojo and Tiffany Thiessen on our account cooking. It's like, these are these opportunities in which we're really able to capitalize on this moment and show people. And I'm telling you, it's like, we have, we, then we have the, 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 the goals. Like we got Tiffany Thiessen. Next up is, is Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Yeah, and it's athletes. Um, it's people, sort of from all walks of life, that that are connecting through food. And you know, for better or for worse, you know, this has been an opportunity for us to to stretch into 
um, individuals that are otherwise too busy to to cook with us. Yeah, but I mean, I think that that's going to be the continued future and whether that focus of the podcast is on individual stories and or collective groups talking about food, the common theme is it's always going to be about that personal uh, connection to how someone's life, culture, background, personal history has tied into what they cook. And that's only going to continue no matter how many iterations of the podcast we end up doing. Um, that theme of food as the connector, food as the vessel for conversation, for community. I, I think that's the most important thing that everyone needs to really focus on. Um, the idea of food media brands that just focus on like hacks or, or just food, it's that concept of like eat to live or live to eat. And anyone that's just looking for, fif- for 15 frozen chicken breast hacks for a weeknight dinner, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's eat to live. Um, and those are publications that are yeah. looking to make your life easier because you don't enjoy cooking or you don't have time for to cook or you don't see the, the value of the, the, you don't prioritize it. Uh, but I think one of the beauties of publications like Feed Feed is that it, it's truly, it's a, it's a live to eat mentality. It's people that want continued inspirations. They want continued uh, conversations around food. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited to help tell those stories and elevate the individuals um, and share some really special, meaningful recipes um, from these contributors. So we're ready to take on. And um, it's been awesome to have you as part of the team. Um, We're obviously going to miss you. We um, really love everything that you've done and how you've helped us build and grow um and and develop the team um and put some nice um kind of processes in place and we're excited to you know continue to extend those into the future um thanks so much for hosting season one and season two of the podcast the hosts that you were able to or the co-hosts that came on that you were able to curate and organize and manage all of those logistics but mainly have some really nice Um, deep, thoughtful conversations, and also so many practical ones where advice was given to people who really look up to these individuals in food and wanted to figure out how they could follow a similar trajectory. It's been awesome to hear the stories of everyone's hard work and persistence and, um, you know, kind of the fight, you know, and the... um, you know, the grind, I guess, that all of them, there was kind of one theme, I think, that kind of came through all of the stories. It's just um, everyone has worked so hard that you've interviewed to get where they are in their careers. And, you know, they never really put themselves or their brands on autopilot. They were always looking for, you know, um, how to continue to push themselves forward and their content forward or their photography forward. And, you know, that sort of um, sounds like what you're headed for as Jake Cohen. So we're sad to see you go, but excited to see um, what you do next. And thanks for being a part of the Feed Feed. Truly my pleasure. 
Um, well, thanks everyone for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, you can head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Feed Feed. And if you have a tip on who the next social media culinary star will be, send us a DM. I will not see you next time, but Julie and Dan will. Thank you all so much for listening. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.